And we're just going to look at two verses tonight, verses 20 and 21. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. I think as we, every day that we get older, and no matter how many times you read the scriptures, God is always trying to reveal things to us that is keeping current with where you are in your life and where society is. And I think it's always important that we try to always meditate and and chew on God's word so that we really hear those things that God wants to show us. Tonight we're going to look at two verses, Romans uh, verses 20 and 21 of chapter 5. And it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A lot of you know who Charles Spurgeon is, a great preacher uh, over in England, passed away a while ago. But one of the things he said from the pulpit, he says, I do not come into this pulpit hoping that perhaps somebody will, of his own free will, return to Christ. My hope lies in another quarter. I hope that my master will lay hold of some of them and say, you are mine and you shall be mine. I claim you for myself. My hope arises from the freeness of grace and not from the freedom of the will. One of the things in studying Romans up to this point is that the need to understand grace versus works and grace versus the law and how much our walk in Jesus Christ can be hindered because we're too wrapped up or we're still holding on to the law. So my prayer tonight is that Jesus really grabs a hold of each one of us, myself included, and brings us to that place where it's all about his grace and what he is throwing and lavishing on us through his love for us. It's not a race. Uh, Christianity is not a race of going against or trying to maintain the laws and the rules, but it's just grasping who Jesus is and embracing him and what he's freely given us through what he's done through uh, the cross. Little review, we've been looking at Adam and Jesus in the last time we met about a month ago in Romans 5. And the title of tonight's message is One by One. W-O-N, one by O-N-E. So one by one. And we saw that through Adam, sin entered the world. That death entered the world. That all men die. That judgment came. Condemnation came. Disobedience came. 
Everybody was made a sinner and death reigns. That all came through Adam. And then we're, we've seen and we know that through Jesus, grace entered the world. Gifts by grace abounded to many. Some live eternally in heaven. There's justification just as if you've never sinned. That's how God sees you when you receive him as your Lord and Savior. You're innocent. You've obeyed him by embracing his son. You're, you've been selected and you are righteous in Jesus' sight. And you reign in life here on this earth and for eternity. Now, it also said the last time we looked that Adam is a type of Jesus. There was a comparison there between Adam and Jesus. And then it says, Adam to Moses. Talk, and it stopped at Moses. And question is, why Moses? Why not someone else? Why was it Adam to Moses? And with Moses came the law. We know them as the Ten Commandments. But also through Moses, there was over 600 laws actually given and covered, condensed into 10. Now we see in Romans verses 20 and 21 that the law entered. But where the law entered, what happened? Notice that offenses, sin, abounded. But then... Where sin abounded, grace abounded more. Now, why was the law given? Why was there so much time? You know, the only law that there was when Adam and Eve were on the earth was one. You could eat from every tree, but the one. The tree of knowledge and good and evil. Don't eat from that tree, because when you do eat from it, you're going to die. That was the only law. That was the only rule that they had to obey. And yet, later on, when Moses came onto the scene, and he was much older, the Ten Commandments were given. Now, what was the reason the law was given? Well, Scripture has a lot of information on that. In Romans, earlier that we looked at in chapter 3, it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So one of the things that the law was given was so that you and I would know that we're guilty of something. Also in Romans, therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So again, the law is something that shows us and gives us an awareness of sin. Now Jesus said in John, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they don't have any excuse for sin. A few things I want to look at. Number one, Many things are sins which we would not have known of except that the law exposes by shedding additional light on them. Many things are sins 
But until the law shines on those things, we don't really realize that there is sin and our depravity on this earth that we live in. An example. Jesus said, if you look at lust at someone, it's just like committing the physical act of adultery. Now, unless the law told you that, you wouldn't think that. God went beyond the physical to the attitude of the heart. If I have anger in my heart, it's just like I punched you or I killed you. It's that anger that is the sin. Now, it's carried out in different ways, whether it's yelling at someone, slapping someone, punching someone, or, God forbid, killing someone. It's the degree, but the attitude is there in the heart. The more light that is shown to you and me, the greater the guilt that we have. Like the more we know something is wrong, the more we do it, the greater guilt is put on us. Now think about our society. Think about older people. Think about how long you've been alive and some of the things that have taken place. Let's just go back into the 60s. Okay? And younger people, you might not be aware of some of the things that were in place that you never had any knowledge of, or maybe you just read about it. But some of the things that have been removed that were always in public schools of where I've been a teacher for 38 years is there used to be the Ten Commandments posted right in public schools. They used to have prayer in public schools. These were taken out. So think about just a little bit we're looking at now and what we've seen and just your knowledge that, in other words, God gives us the Ten Commandments to shed light on the human condition, to show us the need of a Savior. But when you take the Ten Commandments away, think what that does. It leaves people in a depraved state and they don't know it. There's a deception going on that I'm okay, you're okay, but you're not okay. Because society or the world says you're okay doesn't mean you're okay. It's based on what our creator says. But if you take the creator out of the equation, then how many people are being deceived and might go through a whole lifetime not understanding but then we have, like the song we said tonight, there's amazing grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Because God is a God of grace and love, and he doesn't want anybody to perish. There are places in this country, the United States of America, where if you preach the gospel, you can be arrested today. Okay, if you're sharing with someone, you can be arrested out in public squares. That wasn't true a few years ago. What's happening? What's, what's going on? Well, we should know there's an enemy that's trying, has a strategy to try to remove anything of the Bible from society so people can wallow in their sin and not be aware of it. But God, out of his love, 
It's not going to let that happen. You see, as long as people like you and I are here, that's part of his grace to a dark, sin-rejecting, Christ-rejecting world. The second thing, the law is holy and just and good. It is not faulty, but sin uses it as an occasion of offense and rebels when it ought to obey. So the law is holy. It's good. There's nothing wrong with the law. But sin uses it to cause us to rebel. Our flesh rebels against the laws of God. Number three, when you have the law, it removes excuses. The more you understand the law, the less excuse you have for your behavior. Napoleon was going to cross the Alps. High mountains, snow covered, but he was trying to get to his destination. And crossing the Alps, thousands of people, thousands of his soldiers were going to be killed. But the question Napoleon asked was, is it possible to cross the Alps? And his, the answer they gave him was, well, it's barely possible. And because of that word, barely, Napoleon said, advance. So they went through this mountain, the, over these mountains. Thousands of people died. Now think of this. If they said to Napoleon, those mountains, it's impossible. They're too high. Or, how about this? If the mountains could be doubled or tripled in size, as Napoleon was asking that question, would that have been a form of grace to prevent Napoleon from leading many of his men to his death? What's the point? How does the mountains compare to the Ten Commandments? Well, the Ten Commandments, like 20 times the distance of the Alps, are impossible to cross. You can't keep the Ten Commandments. I can't keep the Ten Commandments. You've already blown it. I've already blown it. And God, out of His tremendous mercy and grace, lets us know about the Ten Commandments to show us that we can't do it. We can't keep them. The Bible says, by the works of the law, no flesh can be justified. Paraphrasing it, therefore I will write a law, and it shall be a black and heavy one, a burden which they cannot carry. And then they will turn away and say, I will not attempt to perform it. I will ask my Savior to bear it for me. See, how important it is for understand that we can't do the do's and the don'ts. We can't do that. It's too much of a burden. So God takes a perfect law to show us our imperfections. And when we realize that we are sinners from birth, there's no chance that we have outside God's redeeming grace. The book of Galatians says, 
in chapter 2, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Have you and I, after being saved by God's grace, returned to the law? Think about it. Does the law still govern your life, or are you walking in the newness of a new life in the, through the grace of Jesus Christ? It's something you've got to check, because what does your flesh like to do? Likes to accomplish something. It likes to work to get paid. And it's just the opposite with Jesus. It's receiving of Jesus and walking in the freshness of his Holy Spirit to the things that he's already laid out for you and me since before we were born. There's works he has for you to do and me to do. And if we walk in the freshness of the Spirit, we'll be accomplishing those works. Now, let's take a look at some grace things. We've been looking at the law and how it's just it's impossible to keep. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious than the works of the law? How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious than the works of the law? The next verse says, For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Now remember when Moses went up on the mountain and he came back, remember what happened to him? His face was glowing. Okay, he had been in the presence of God. He had been presented the law, the perfect law. But that glory faded because it was external. It had to do with what you had to do to be perfect. But now we are under grace and that grace is the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to take a hold of your life, the more light is shining through you rather than on you because of your submission to the Holy Spirit given to you by Jesus Christ according to the Father's will. Galatians 3.23 says, But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Now when you look up under guard, it says, By watching and guarding to preserve one for the attainment of something. One more time by watching and guarding to preserve one for the attainment of something. Now let me read Galatians 3 again. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Okay, what was the faith that was going to be revealed? What was the thing that we were being preserved for? None other 
than our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus is everything. The law kept us within a confined boundary. Remember what it says also in the scriptures that the law serves as a tutor. Okay? So when you were in school, a tutor came in or you need to be tutored. But the tutor led you to the position where you could now go back to the teacher and do what he required or she required. So once the tutor leaves, the teacher is there. The law was the tutor leading us to Christ. And now that we're in Christ's presence, we no longer need the tutor, the law, because just by being in Christ and being led by his spirit, we fulfill the law. We don't have to try to keep those Ten Commandments. Just by being with Jesus and walking in the freshness and newness of the Spirit, we're fulfilling all those laws, all those commands. But the enemy wants us to be the do and don't people. Because if we're the do and don't people, we're wrapped up in the law again, and we don't have the freedom and the newness in the Spirit. Now remember, the law is holy. The commandment is just and good. Okay? But understand, there's a newness that comes when you receive Jesus into your heart. Let's look at those verses again. Moreover, verses 20 and 21 of Romans 5. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin aboundeth, grace aboundeth much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through, what's the rest of that verse? Through eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, it all, it all ends with Him. It all leads us to Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, sin reigns how? Sin reigns in death. Everybody dies. It's part of the Adamic nature. Death is a result of sin. We're all sinners. But grace reigns through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus our Lord. So there's a passing from the dead body to a live body. How fast? You've already done it. You've already blinked. In that moment that you blink, I go slow motion. And now, how fast do you really blink? It's that fast that you're in the presence of Jesus with a new body. No darkness. There's no darkness when you blink. Do a slow motion, there's darkness. There's no darkness when you're blinking right now. You've blinked hundreds of times since you sat down. And you never lost sight of what you were looking at. Think about that. And in the blink of an eye, you're in the presence of Jesus Christ one day. That's awesome. That's something, that's part of that eternal life package that Jesus paid for when he went to the cross. The good news is sin will not have dominion over you because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. If you're in the law, guess what happens with sin? It has dominion over you. 
So you don't want to be under the law because then sin has dominion over you. But when you're under grace, sin no longer has that hold. In the book of John, it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses. Remember, Moses could not enter into the promised land because he represented the law. See, the law died with Moses, but people still carried those tablets of stone throughout their whole lives and it weighed them down. The promised land were the promises of God which he gave us in Jesus Christ. We don't want to be carrying the tablets of stone and it's, it's a burden wherever we go carrying those heavy weights. But we're free. We can let that go. God stretched out his arms so that we wouldn't have to carry that heavy load. He carried the load for us. Now in Titus it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And Hebrews talks about that we should become, we should go boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you do that? Do I do that enough where I go to God's throne room and, and just boldly in love just say, Lord, help me today with what's going on. Just pour out your grace. Get, get me going, Lord, for the things that you're laying out for me in work, at my house, in church, wherever I'm going today, Lord. I need all of your grace. You know what's coming. When I turn this corner, you know what's coming. Prepare my heart for that. Let me be a representative of you. Do we go to that throne of grace with all our requests? Or is it just the real serious ones? You know, is it when it's really tough times? God wants that fellowship all the time, not just, you know, when you're in serious trouble. If you weren't here on Sunday, please, you should really listen to uh, Pastor Joe's message. It was a powerful message. One of the, uh, it really hit me, you know, as, as much as any message that's been shared up here. Listen to it. And one of the things that hit me is, if you were here, remember when Joe talked about the guys thrown into the furnace and that we're all going to be in furnace situations? Guys, that's powerful. You don't hear that from the televangelists, that you're going to be put into a furnace. You and I are going to be put into furnaces. And if I ask you, have anybody out there been in more than one furnace in your lifetime? Right? We've been in a lot of furnaces. I think the older you get, the more furnaces you're going to go through. But take comfort in this. And this was what's, what really was great in the message Sunday. Take comfort in this, that when you're in those furnaces, Jesus Christ is right there with you. And he burns away the bonds. Remember the bonds that held these guys together? They weren't singed. They had no smoke smell on them. But the, the things that kept them in bondage were free. And Jesus was right there with them. So when you and I go through the furnaces of life, guess what? God is purifying us. He's right there with us. And he's getting rid of those things that are holding us back from following him in spirit and truth. Think about it. Think about the things you've been through. All of us. Doesn't matter the age. 
We've all been through things. That's, that was your furnace. I don't care what it is. If you're saying right now, well, Vinny, you think this? Yeah, that was it. That's a furnace. But, and if you're thinking this, well, I don't know if this, yeah, that's a furnace. That's your furnace that you're in. Make no mistake about it, that God was using that furnace, that situation, those people, those, uh, whatever it was, it doesn't matter whether it was a real thing, as far as a physical thing like a person, whether it was a, uh, a, a job, whether it was an illness, whether it was a drug or a, an alcohol, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's anything that you were struggling with, that was your furnace that you were in. And I think most of us saw Jesus right there. And if not at the time, looking back, you said, holy mackerel, yeah, Jesus was right there. He was carrying me through that very situation. Where does sin abound? Where does sin abound? It's from my house, to your house, to the White House. It's all over the land. It's all over the place. Spurgeon said that every breath of the unsaved, every breath of the unsaved is an act of rebellion. Think about that. Every breath of the unsaved is an act of rebellion. We are guilty, dead in sin, bond slaves to sin, sold under sin, condemned. An unsaved man is as far from God as any man can be. An unsaved man is as far from God as any man can be. Nothing he does brings him closer or nearer to God. Think about that. Nothing he does brings him closer or nearer to God. Doesn't, doesn't matter what he does because it's not based on works. It's not based on works. It's not based on feelings. It's based on what Jesus Christ did at the cross in his shed blood and what we do in response to what he has offered us. Do we embrace him? Or do we say, oh, that was nice. That's good for some people, what he did. If we don't embrace him, we are lost eternally. Nothing else can bring us into that relationship with the living God. We're lost. It's over. Now, think of the depravity of man that is magnified through the technological devices that we have today. Think of the depravity of man, the sinfulness of man, the Christ rejection of man that is being magnified by the technological devices that are available to us today. Think about it. Way back with radio, with TV, and now with all the devices that we have, think how sin is being amplified through those devices. How many channels are on TV now? How many to have to be X'd out? What's happening with all the um, iPhones and all that stuff? Think of the kids that have already killed themselves because of how they've been misused by their friends. Think of the slander and the gossip that go on that's just magnified 
It's one thing if I'm talking to you, gossip and slander, but all of a sudden I put it on a, um, a Facebook or something. Just think how, how that multiplies what's going on. Just think about that, though. But remember what our verses are saying tonight. What, when sin abounds, grace abounds even more. There's good things happen as a result of all the sin that's being promoted in the world. People are seeing the shallowness of other people. People are really finding out who their friends are, who they can trust and not trust. Things are happening where people are saying, you know, there's got to be more than what's happening with all this craziness. And guess what? There are still sunsets. There are still gentle breezes. There are still flowers that show that there is a creator. There's still people like you and me that are exampling Christ to a sin-rejecting, Christ-rejecting world. There are opportunities that you have and I have. People will come and ask, hey, I heard you're a Christian. Can you pray for my mom or my sister or my son? There's situations that come up as a result of that. Title of tonight is One, W-O-N, by One. Think of what Christ has won for you. Think about what Christ has won for you. And if you were the only person, right, that was on the face of this earth, Jesus Christ would have died for you to win you, to win you to Him. Some of the things that Christ has won you, has won for you. He's taking you from the lake of fire to the throne of heaven. You and I were destined for the lake of fire. Forever. Not for a couple days. Forever. He rescued you from that lake of fire to the throne of heaven. He changed you from an enemy of God to children of God. He brought you from the lowest to the highest. You were despicable in his sight. And yet, he embraced you through his death. And when you received him, he lifted you up to a higher place. You had the image of the earthly. Now you have the image of the heavenly. As your body deteriorates, your spirit grows bigger and bigger. There's more of Jesus in you as you get older and less of yourself. How come? The furnaces. Those furnaces. Those furnaces are good things. How many of us would like to be closer to a furnace right now with the weather that's going on? The other thing that God has won for us, Christ is being formed in you. He's being formed in you. At what rate? It's how much you are allowing yourself to be crucified, your flesh being crucified, so there's more of Him. Less of you, more of Him. He won for you that you can be like Christ because of you allowing His Holy Spirit to shine through you. He punished sin. He won over sin and death. 
He showed you that all the merits, all the works, everything we do for ourselves have been cursed and rejected by God. That's a good thing. That your merits and works and everything we do for ourselves is no good. To realize that is very, very important because it gives you the freedom to live the life that God wants you to do. He's brought you, he's won you from eternal death to eternal life. How's it all done? You can't go to a camp. You can't go to a seminar. You don't have to go over to the Wailing Wall to get it done. It's done by a divine touch. Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, just touches you and me. He just touches us. And he grabs a hold of us like Spurgeon was told, talking about. He grabs a hold of you and says, You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. I got you. I rescued you. And then his grace, that amazing grace that just pours out on us, opens our eyes and we go, oh, what a wretch sinner I am. Who's going to save me from this body of death? Praise you, Jesus. It's you. <laughs> it's not me. It's you, Lord. You've rescued me from this body of death, from my sin, from my Christ rejection, from my faithlessness. You are so faithful, Lord. You have rescued me. You're holding on to me. You're never going to let go. How awesome is that? It's a gift of his abounding grace that we look at in the scriptures tonight in those verses. That's his abounding grace. It's abound, it's bound, bang, I got you. Bang, got you. And it's abounding all over the place. Do we have hearts to receive that grace? Or is it going to have to ricochet off us, get somebody, hey, that was cool. Ricochet off somebody else, come over here, get somebody else, and then bounce back. And now the second time, oh, I got it, Lord. Or the tenth time, or the hundredth time, or the thousandth time, and we finally say, oh, Lord, if only 20 years ago, I could have seen it this way. No, no, you needed to be in some furnaces to draw closer to him and have some of that other pieces of rope drop off of you. One day, the dark cloud that covers this earth with sin and corruption will be removed. One day, all those sad things that are happening in this world will stop. A fire is coming that will destroy this earth and a new and a purified earth will be here. What Jesus died for, he will have, which is a new heaven and a new earth and a purified bride to be with. Jesus, thank you for your word. And I just think of the song that Bob, Sue, and John played tonight, The Amazing Grace that it is all God's riches at Christ's expense. That Jesus, you died so that we could live. 
you were embarrassed and ridiculed so we could stand proud as your sons and your daughters. You were whipped and scourged, Lord, so by those stripes we could be healed mentally and even, Lord, miraculously, physically, Lord, sometimes. But spiritually, Lord, you want us to be warriors and gladiators in your family, led by the power of your Holy Spirit. And when you won, just one of us, you set in motion something that will touch other lives as a result of us being submissive to your will. So tonight, Lord, as we are here in closing, if there's anybody in this church or listening by computer or any other device, and you understand that you are depraved and you're a sinner so far from the perfect standards that God requires, and you don't want to have to try anymore, but just rest in what God has done for you. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross just for me. And that blood washes away all my sins, past, present, and future. Jesus, just fill me with your Holy Spirit and get me on this road that you prepared for me before the foundation of the world. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray for every single person that is hearing this, that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit a double portion so they can walk in the freshness and newness of your grace and love and that they would really understand that amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen.